Psalm 40, verse 6. Our subject today is Christ's pre-Christmas address to the Father. Christ's pre-Christmas address to God the Father. Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. In Hebrews 10 and 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Please be seated. We have so condensed and so focused on the Christmas narrative that it seems that it all took place in just a few weeks that comprised the month of December. But to really think about the Christmas narrative and the Christmas story, reflection reveals that almost a year of time was involved in terms of the earthly events involved in the Christmas narrative. Though Mary's pregnancy was supernatural, it was normal in its duration. And were we to follow the narrative by the traditional calendar, we would celebrate the angel's initial visit to Mary in March or April of the year. And in the course of the months that followed, we would trace the events through the year until the birth of the Christ child. That's on a human calendar level. But on a cosmic level, we would have to extend our celebration into thousands of years, starting at the time when man sinned and God provided coats of animal skins to cover man's nakedness. Genesis 3 and 21 says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made coats or tonics of skin and clothed them. These tonics replaced the inadequate leaf aprons that Adam and Eve had made for themselves. When they sinned, they felt naked and exposed before God, and they made themselves aprons of leaves. Now, for what you know about an apron, an apron is pretty good from the front. It doesn't do a thing for you from the back. And if it's made out of leaves, then even what it does for you in front is going to be gone, dry, and blown away because the leaves don't last. So the Lord wanted to clothe them, and he made coats of skin that cover completely and also that are durable and do not dis disintegrate so very, very quickly. But it's a clear announcement 
when you make a coat of skin, who did you get the skin coat from? And what happened to the one who had the skin coat? Well, blood is necessary for man to have a coat of skin. And this is a clear manifestation that bloodshed is going to be necessary for man's sinfulness. It was the beginning of the sacrificial dispensation during which thousands and possibly millions of animals were sacrificed in man's effort to appease the wrath of God and to provide a substitute for himself and for his sins. The sacrifices were blood sacrifices. In Hebrews 9 and 22, the Bible says, but according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Listen, these were given in obedience to the word of God. In Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, the Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it, the blood, unto you upon the altar to make an atonement for your sins. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. The animals that were sacrificed belong to the individual worshiper. The sacrifices and the money that he spent for them were very precious to him. He was deprived by offering sacrifices unto God. His sacrifices implied faith. They implied trust. For giving, in giving, he was saying, listen, we are better off without these resources and without these sacrifices, and with God's favor. If I can get God's favor, the sacrifice is a small thing for me to give and for me to do. That I'm without these resources means that I'm with the blessing of God. And so giving showed that he was depending on the Lord. When you give, you're saying, Lord, listen, I'm depending on you. I can give this. I can release it. Because I know that if I do so, your blessing is on my life. And I'd rather have your blessing than anything on the face of the earth. But listen, those sacrifices were inadequate. They were offered according to the terms of the covenant that God had made with his people. And they were a type and a shadow of what was to come. But ultimately, it was revealed that God did not desire what man offered. He was not satisfied with man's sacrifices. His efforts were inadequate. Man had sinned, therefore a man was needed to pay the penalty for the sins of man. One man for all men who'd ever lived, therefore he had to be worth and worthy of making such a sacrifice. And then he had to be innocent of any sins himself. Because if he was not innocent, he was suffering for his own sins rather than for the sins of others. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, I want to read to you about a God nauseated and annoyed and displeasured by the offerings of his people who came to him. He said, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, of lambs, 
of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand in trampling my courts? Bring no more fruitful sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meetings. In other words, if you are preferable and moving toward and freely accepting sin in your life, if you're involved in iniquity and wickedness and you have no regard for the holiness and righteousness of God, I am weary in bearing them. I'm weary of your worship. And listen, this lets me know that we've got to be careful to worship God in the way God wants us to worship him rather than in the way we want to worship him. You just can't come before a holy God any old kind of way. God wants his people in their holy worship to be holy people and righteous people before him. If you know I'm telling the truth, clap your hands and praise God. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1, the story of Nadab and Abihu is told. These are the ones who were sons of the priest Aaron. They saw Aaron making sacrifices and decided that they wanted to do so also. But the Lord had told them, any time you offer a sacrifice, make sure that you ignite that sacrifice and the wood for the sacrifice from the fire that I sent down from heaven. Use my fire in your worship. But Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10, 1 through 3, went out and found some fire from some other source. And they went into the house of the Lord and began to offer the sacrifice with the fire that they had ignited rather than the fire that God had ignited. And fire came down from God, verse 3, and they died before the Lord. And the Lord said, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. Listen, you can't use strange fire. When you're worshiping God, let the spirit and the power and the genuineness and the reality of God lead you in your worship. The day is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For God looks for those who worship him that way. God showed up today and he's looking for some worshipers. Are there any true worshipers in the house? Come on, clap your hands. Give praise to God. God is looking for people who will worship him in a way that is pleasing to him. We must worship God in the way God wants, and we must approach life according to divine principles. So our worship should be according to God's will, and our life and our conduct ought to be pleasing in the eyes of God. And so in the life of every individual, there are periods when the person tries through his own effort and by his own methods to set things right and to reach the standard of life that he would reach. But these kinds of efforts are never successful. God must empower what we do. For Jesus said, I'm divine. My father is a husband. You cannot bear fruit except you abide in me. But if you abide in me, and my word abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So when we worship God, we should say, Lord, empower and direct my worship. Let my words be pleasing in your sight. 
Let, let what I say and what I do in worship be what you would have me to do. And let me give praise unto you that emanates from your spirit that pleases you. How many of you want your worship to be what God wants your worship to be? Hallelujah. And so God agonized over the inadequacy of man's attempts to reach him and to worship him through his own flesh and through his own mind. The son could not rest. He could not be at peace as long as God was displeased. So the text verses represent the remarks, the address that Jesus the son gave to God the father before he entered into the world to do his work. The words were spoken prophetically in Psalm chapter 40, verse 5, and also in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. And I've read the text in Hebrews 10 and verse 8, I beg your pardon, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and offering for sin, you did not desire, nor did you have pleasure in them. Verse 5, but a body you prepared me. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. This has the implication for the virgin birth and for the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches, and I believe in, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. This was the divine element in the life of Jesus. And God could not bring his divine son to earth by means of a human father. The Holy One could not be conceived as a result of a sinful act. And so in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1 and verse 30, the angel appeared to Mary and said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can these things be? Since I know not a man, I'm not sexually involved with anyone. But the angel spoke back and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed I engaged to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And verse 22 says, All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, 
They should have called his name Emmanuel, which being translated is God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took unto him his wife, and did not become sexually involved with her until he had brought forth his firstborn son. After that son was born, then they began to live as husband and wife, and they called that son's name Jesus. The writer of the Hebrews said in Hebrews 1 and 1, God, who at various times and in various ways has spoken in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the world, who being in the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus by himself purged our sins, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Come on, let's give him glory. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. It was as if a man wanted to help dogs, loved dogs, but wanted to experience life as a dog and be able to communicate as a dog so that he could help them and relate to them as he so desired. And so imagine a man becoming a dog. And would you as a man or woman be willing to give up your humanity and become a dog and live as a dog and suffer as a dog and help dogs? None of you would do that. Nobody would volunteer for that plight. But what Jesus has done for us is greater than even that. The divine Son of God, born and made in majesty and in power, the very divine Jesus of God came all the way from heaven, forsook the majesty and the glory of his divine plight and came all the way from heaven down and died for our sins. And that is more than what we would do if we were to become an animal to help animals. Come on, clap your hands and praise God. God, through Jesus Christ, has done much more than this. For the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And the Bible says, let the mind that was in him be also in us. And in Psalm 40 and 6, the psalmist prophetically says, My ears you have opened. This is not a reference to enabling the psalmist to hear better than he had heard, but it was Jesus Christ saying to the Father, literally, My ear thou hast digged. And it is supposed to allude that a law and custom of binding servants who wanted to serve their master forever by boring out a hole in their ear. 
when the servant in Exodus 21 and 5 would say, I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. I will not go out of this place free. I want to stay with my family. Then the master would bring him before the judges, and they shall also bring him before the door, or the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve the master forever. Jesus made an eternal pledge to God. I want you to dig out my ear, and I will be your servant forever. I have come in the volume of this book to do thy will, and I will serve you for the rest of eternity. Listen, child of God, God blesses you in a way you never imagined when you make a commitment to God. When you decide in your heart, for God I'll live and for God I'll die, this will not be a temporary affair. I'm taking the Lord for mine. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. Are there any life executors here today who would give your life to the Lord Jesus? Come on, lift up your hand and say, Lord, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Come on, clap your hands and give God glory. Jesus was irreversibly committed to do the will of God the Father. And he said in Psalm 40 and 7, Behold, I come in the volume of this book as it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Your law is within my heart. And in Hebrews 10 and 7, he said, Behold, I come in the volume of this book to do your will. I have come to do your will. Listen, it's as if you've got to decide between one will and another. If not, you'll be pulled in two directions at the same time. But Jesus said, Lord, I want to please you. I want to do your will. I want to walk in your way. And the Lord is saying to us, we've got to make up our mind whether it's God of the world. I don't know about you, but I'll take Jesus for mine. I'll live for him. Can I get some help in here? Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. He had a will of his own, but he said, not my will, but thy will be done. You can delight in God's will when you know God and when you have fellowship with God. For Psalm 16 and 11 says, you will show me the path of light. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. If you don't know the delight and the joy of living for God and knowing Jesus Christ, it's a pleasure beyond any pleasure that you might know on the earth. When you've got God in your heart, Jesus Christ in your life, there's pleasure forevermore. That's what the Bible promised. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish, dumb, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then Paul said in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He found a joy 
in knowing God. And listen, you are not living until you meet the Lord. It's easy to delight when you know God and have fellowship in him. It's also easy to delight in God's will when you trust God and know that God lives and God loves you. God is the omnipotent God. God is the everywhere present God. God is the all-knowing God. And with a God like that, be not dismayed. Whatever betide, God will take care of you. If you know that the Lord will take care of you, then you can delight in doing the will of God. It's easier to play the role when you can read the whole script. And in the word of God, Jesus could read and be aware of the whole script. He was aware of everything that was written about him. He really knew even more than what was written about him in the word of God. And for what Jesus knew, he was glad and willing to do the will of the Father because he knew that if he did the will of the Father, he would come out more than a conqueror in the end. The Bible said he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. When Jesus looked forward and saw his coming glory, when he looked forward and saw what the Lord was going to do in his life, he said, go ahead, drive the nails through my hand. Go ahead, drive the nail through my feet. I'm going to rise again. And the third day morning, Jesus got up with all power in his hand. Jesus got up with all glory in his hand. Come on and praise him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so Jesus lived according to the plan. And the plan of God was fulfilled in his life. But child of God, God has a plan for us. God has a plan for our lives. And when we know God's plan, it's easy to say yes to the will of God. Jesus knew he'd be coming again in glory and majesty. And so he was willing to suffer that he might obtain that goal. And I hear the Lord saying, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I've got a future. I've got a hope. Therefore, I'll say yes to the will of God. I'll say yes to the plan of God. I'll say yes because we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. I'll say yes because I know his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. 
I'll say yes because we must not grow weary in doing good because in due season we will reap if we faint not I'll say yes because the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us I'll say yes because I had not seen ear hath not heard neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that the Lord has prepared for us I'll say yes because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength mount up on wings like eagles run and not be weary walk and not faint I'll say yes Tell your neighbor, I'll say yes, yes, because he's able, I said he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, hallelujah, yes, Lord, yes, yes to your will, yes to your way, yes, not my will. For my life. Come on and say yes. Hallelujah. Glory. The safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. Child of God, say yes to God. Get in the place of yes. Don't let anything move you. When you stand there, God will get your blessing and bring it to that place. Pray you surrendered and said yes. But if you get out of the will of God, someone else may get in your place and get your blessing. I made up my mind. I want what God has in store for me. So I'll do what the Lord said do. I'll live like the Lord say live. I'll say yes. Raise your hand and say I'll say yes. Stand on your feet and say yes. Yes, yes, come on, praise him. Yes, Lord, yes, thy will be done. Your kingdom come. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path clap your hands and say yes oh yes 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 Lord yes Lord yes Lord Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart and the depths of my soul, yes, Lord.
said, I'm coming the volume of this book to do your will, O God. And the Bible says he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, giving him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess that, Lord, I'll do thy will. That's my purpose. That's my destiny. Someone in the room, having heard the word of God, now understands that your life will never be what it can be until you say yes, until you surrender to the will of God until you become obedient to the plan of God for your life. Someone in the room, in the midst of your guilt and your pain, understands that you need to accept Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. You should not travel the road of life by yourself. You need a helper. You need one who died for you and rose again from the dead. Jesus said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is your day, your time. I will pray for you right where you are. If you would say, Preacher, I want to know Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want him to be Lord of my life. I'll pray for you right where you are. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you would accept Jesus, lift that hand up high, and I'll pray for you right where you are. Lift that hand, lift that hand. I see those hands. In the name of Jesus, those who want to say yes to the will and plan of the Lord over their lives. Dear Lord, I pray for those whose hands are uplifted. Thank you, dear Lord, that you have drawn them to yourself. Your word has found them. And dear Lord, they want to be washed in your blood. They want to be righteous before you. They want to live a life of power and goodness through your power and through your might. Be with them, O Lord, in Jesus' name, even as they say in their hearts how badly they want you to come into their lives. Repeat these words after me, everyone. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for all of my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, dear Lord. I am saved. I am forgiven. I have new life. Come on, clap your hands and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes to your plan. Yes to your will. Yes to your destiny for my life. In the name of Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. 